Hey, welcome to The Conversation. You're listening to Andy Mason, and this is Authentic Conversations Around the Messy Intersection of Faith, Family, and Business. And uh, I want to talk to you about how to find and to keep the spouse of your dreams. Now, why would I talk about that? Well, actually, good question. We just got back from my wife and I, that's Janine, from three days in the Smoky Mountains, Tennessee. Uh, we uh, stayed in a little little place called Pigeon Forge. Actually, I wouldn't recommend it. It's crazy, touristy, noisy. But the beauty is there's a 500,000-acre national park. That's the Smoky Mountains. And that is gorgeous. The streams, the trails, the hills, beautiful and green. Uh, absolutely loved it. So we enjoyed that. And it's celebrating 24 years. We got married in just before the turn of the century. And, uh, and walking this out and reflecting on being married to my best friend, still my best friend after all of this time, uh, through bumps and challenges and changes and wildfires and navigating moves and different challenges. I, you know, I'm not the easiest of guys. I'm very focused and have had to adjust and grow. And so in all of that, Janine is still my best friend. How is that possible? And how did I find her in the first place? So for you, you may be in that situation looking to find somebody, or you're in the middle of this journey, and and you want to be able to say, hey, 30 years from now, 20 years from now, 10 years from now, uh, you stuck at it, learned and grew, and what was the key to actually keeping the spouse of your dreams. So here's a few keys and a couple of stories in between, but just uh, here's the spoiler. I'm just going to tell you. Number one, uh, get in the right position. As in, uh, how, how do you be in the right place to find that person? Number two is get in the right condition. So it's not just about finding the right person. It's actually being the right person. Uh, number three, be a lifelong learner. Uh, always learning. Uh, when you're an expert, there's no room for mistakes. If you are continually learning, you, are, you have more grace for yourself and more grace for others. So be that. Number four, keep short accounts. Uh, we're going to touch this again, but that's kind of no-brainer, is don't dwell on anything negative for a period of time. Either deal with it straight away or agree to come circle back around or we will deal with this. And number five, leverage professionals. Uh, you, you can't afford not to have professionals in your business. Why would you not have them in your marriage, which is far more valuable than your business? And I'll talk about what we've learned there. And then finally, number six is have fun together. Uh, make it a plan that life happens, things go on, uh, kids change and grow. So schedule time away together or time doing fun things together. And that may simply be going for a walk together in a place or at a time of the day that you both enjoy. But make it a priority because if you don't happen, it won't. If you don't make it happen, it just won't happen. So come back to get in the right position. Uh, I was 25 years old when I met Janine. I certainly wanted to date before that and thought I found some people that I liked the look of to, to date. And in both cases, I prayed about it first because I've learned this verse, Matthew 6, 33 that says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things 
will be added to you. It's seek God first. In both instances, the Lord led me like, Andy, this is not the person you're going to marry. So if you're not going to marry them, why, why date them? Why pursue a relationship when this is not the person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with? I don't need practice. I can actually practice with the one that I'm going to marry. So why not invest my time and attention? And as Proverbs says, don't awaken love until it's time. Once you open that door, it's pretty hard to slow it down. So actually just don't even go there. Ask the Lord. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So what does that look like? Well, practically it's trusting him. Trusting that he is a really, really good shepherd. He knows how to put the right people with the right people. I'm not naive, naive or ignorant to know that I have a part to play in that. But I'm trusting that he will literally add the right person at the right time and get my attention. Then I've got to choose. So practically, what did that look like for me? So in everything I do, I'm, I'm seeking the Lord's guidance. Uh, when I graduated college, I prayed about where we would move to next, where I would move to with my first job. I had a couple of different options. I took one in the Hawke's Bay, moved in, and I was staying and working as an agricultural consultant. I happened to join the local church. And in that local church, I went to the young adults group because I'm a young adult. And in the process of that, I meet this woman named Janine. Now, she was five years, and still is, five years older than me. So in my framework, my view, she didn't fit in the criteria. So she was in the safe category, not someone that I'd ever pursue for a relationship for whatever dumb reason was in my head. And so we actually, over a period of about six to nine months, became very, very good friends. Uh, hang out together. Uh, she'd come and watch me play rugby. We started doing a, a life group together. Actually, just fun to be with and completely outside of the relationship grid. So uh, we just talk about literally anything. Well, as it so happens often, the circle of friends just started to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And then here's the hilarious part for me is uh, there were three of us, uh, myself, Janine, and another guy, Aaron Walsh. We'd go swimming. We started end of the rugby season, want to stay fit. So I'm swimming. We're doing laps. And uh, we're doing backwards and you know going up and down lengths and swimming. And I start to notice Janine, my friend, in a way that a good Christian boy shouldn't be noticing a woman. And I like it's, it's funny listening to the, myself even say this now. I look back and like, dude, that's the most normal, natural thing for someone that's moving from a friendship to a more serious relationship in the pursuit of marriage. Well, for me, I was so naive and ignorant of this. I went to my dad, because they just moved to the same location, and said, hey, dad, I like this girl, but I don't like this girl. Like, I'm thinking I need some prayer around lust. And dad, like a good parent, just ask this question, what's wrong with Janine? Like, see straight through all of it. And I said, well, she's five years older than me. And he says, what's wrong with that? And I didn't have an answer. So freaked out, avoided her for two weeks, and then finally got the courage to take her out, had a conversation. And uh, three months later, we got engaged. Nine months later, we got married. What's the point? I look back, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and all these things added to you. So it's literally, it's not Janine being added to me, it's me being added to her, it's both ways. It's as I'm seeking and pursuing God and putting him first in all of my life, I found that he tapped me on the shoulder and said, hey, look at that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't look at that. It's like, no, no, this is the way that God made it. This is your best friend and you are attracted chemically to this woman as well. Would you just get on with it? So sure enough, we got married. And then 24 years later, we can now say we've got four kids, we've got a life, and I am so grateful for that. So number one is seek first the kingdom of God. Get in the right position. The right position is following Christ and putting him first. If you put anything else first, a church, a career, a a companion, you'll miss it. But if you put Jesus and his kingdom first, then you'll be in the right position. Number two, get in the right condition. Um, I, I remember going actually from New Zealand to Hillsong in Australia to do their, it was a short week or two weeks. And I happened to actually be going and staying with a family and a girl that I had my eye on uh, was going as well. And I was praying, Lord, make it obvious. Is this you? Is it not you? And uh, we get over there and I found out that this good Christian girl was not the good Christian girl that I had assumed her to be. And apparently the youth pastor at this church in where I was going is during college, uh, the girls were saying, you know, when, when's these men of God going to come? And the youth pastor had said, well, what if you actually need to become the woman of God? Don't just say about that they've got to come and they've got to do that. You be who God's called you to be. And thank God he showed me that. But for me and for you, a key part of that verse is seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's his way of living which is impossible in our own ability, but with him, nothing's impossible. It's this continual pursuit to say, uh, Lord, search me and know me. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way I mean. Lead me in the path everlasting. Uh, get into some relationships where they will speak into your life. Mentors, people that will help you grow in character, in diligence. Uh, if you're working somewhere and it's not working out, like you imagine, well, Have you thought endurance and perseverance is also godly character, work ethic? Be the right person. Be the person that someone would want to marry. Uh, How are your finances? How are you physically? Are you taking care of yourself? If you're not going to take care of yourself, how could you take care of somebody else? So work on some of these things, knowing that everybody's in process and nobody's perfect. We're on a journey. So number one, get in the right position. Seek first the kingdom of God. Number two, get in the right condition and his righteousness. And then he adds this to you, which is then a lifelong journey of growing in this. Just a quick, by the way, marriage doesn't grow when you walk up the aisle and say, I do. That's called a wedding. Marriage grows when you have difficulty and challenge and adversity and then kids come along and you can't sleep or someone gets sick, that's when it really gets forged because it's all those little decisions that I make along the way. Will I keep my love on? Great book by Danny Silk, Keep Your Love On. Will I do that or will I succumb to selfishness, which is the war or the enemy of any 
healthy relationship. So number three, be a lifelong learner. Uh, just because you're married and because you know you can, like according to scripture, like sex is a healthy part of that. That doesn't mean you no longer have to manage what you do with your eyes and what you're looking at, what you're feeding yourself. So it's like be a continual life long learner, always learning, always growing in character. Uh, growing in godly character is not a is not an end point. It's a continual growth. So how am I currently growing? What am I part of? Who's speaking into my life? Uh, for me, one of the keys has been uh, groups of guys that I've always been a part of. And you could call it a discipleship group, a small group. I don't really care. Uh, some have been formal, some have been informal. I've always had men that I've pursued to speak into my life. Some pastors, some bosses, uh, some just leaders in the community that I will call and I'll ask them questions about life. They, I'm looking for people that I want my life, my marriage, my relationship to look like what they are now walking in 20 years, 30 years from my age now. When you speak to those people and ask them the questions, you learn things that then you don't have to make all the mistakes that they've made. Be a lifelong learner. Ask the questions. Have people around you that keep you walking healthy. Uh, I have a group of guys we call our baseball back covenant. We literally have a... Uh, Louisville Slugger baseball bat each with their names written on it. And the deal is if we start being stupid and idiot, start being a jerk, then we have permission to go around to the other person's house, grab that baseball bat and hit them with it. Now, it is a metaphor, but it's that kind of relationship where I have people around me who will tell me the truth. I need that because sometimes I can get so full of whatever good things may or may not be happening that I'm not aware that I'm just being stupid because I got blinded by my own arrogance or naivety or you don't know what you don't know until you experience something different. If you want to experience something different, get married. You will learn a whole new perspective and view of life that will be good for you. So number three is be a lifelong learner. Continue to grow. Recognize it. It's going to grow. Just when you think you've grown, and it's working, it'll change. The kids will leave home or you'll have more kids or you adopt or your job will change or you move or there'll be financial challenges or COVID. It, be a lifelong learner. Give yourself grace to grow. Number four, keep short accounts. The Bible says don't let the sun go down on your anger. That is really, really smart. So don't go to bed disconnected or angry with one another. Talk about it. Now, if it's already late, Sometimes talking late into the evening is actually a bad idea, just from personal experience. So in that case, just agree, hey, we're both really, really tired. We're both really stressed out or whatever it may be. Um, let's go to bed and let's agree to talk about this first thing in the morning. Let's go for a walk together or let's seek some help or something like that. But make sure that you go, when you go to bed, you've already agreed on what will the outcome be. Keep short accounts. Don't just let something stir and stir and stir. Speak up. If you love me, you will say something. So that's number four, keep short accounts. Number five, leverage professionals. Uh, we've always sought uh, different pastors for marriage counseling uh, regularly. From the from the pastor when I was early married with babies, 
And uh, my wife would be like, can you please come home earlier? And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I leave work at five o'clock every night. I'm, I'm home for the real crazy, busy time with little kids. And my wife would be, no, you, you're not home till 5.45, 6 o'clock. And you only live, you only work five minutes from home. And I'm like, no. And that led to our first involve the pastor in a conversation. And he came down, took one listen to what was going on and said, Andy, he goes, I understand. I'm the same personality. I just get distracted and talk to people and don't even realize. Here's what you need to do. Write down the date or the time at which you leave the office and then write down the time at which you walk in the house. I'm thinking, oh, I got this. Well, after a couple of days of doing that, I suddenly realized I'd leave the office on time but then there'd be a phone call or I'd meet someone on the way out of the office and it'd be 5.45, 6 p.m. before I'd traveled the five minutes to get home. What's the point? I didn't even know that until somebody helped me and I wouldn't have known that unless we'd gotten a third party involved. Now, getting third parties involved, get somebody that actually has a track record of success to speak into your lives. Uh, be somebody that can be an intermediary between the two of you. Because sometimes I need help to see a different perspective. If it's only my wife, she'll feel like she's going to war against me. Whereas if I've got a third party, they can help me be more reasonable. Now, what I've learned more recently is pastors are wonderful. Counsel, like spiritual counselors are wonderful. Professional counselors, times 100. Pay for somebody if you can. Preferably someone with the same Jesus-following character and lifestyle that you have because that's such a significant part of it and and I've shared this already before is when we involved a professional counselor and within 30 minutes of our first meeting she points out something Andy when was the first time someone told you you're codependent and I'm shocked I'm 45 six years old I've never heard this before and I've seen all these different pastoral counselors but none of them were professionals. That unlocked something in me that I could have accessed years before if we'd just taken the wise counsel to engage with the professionals early on. If you say there's nothing on or nothing going on wrong, all the better. They'll help you build trust and relationship so that when there are challenges, you can navigate them much quicker, much easier, much faster, and grow on through that. So leverage professionals. Uh, if you can't afford that, there's wonderful books. Read the books. There's podcasts, and there's people around you that have got seasoned marriages. Now, make sure that you look. If it's guys, make sure that you look. Is the spouse someone that's fully alive, or are they a mouse? Mouse spouse. You don't want a mouse spouse. You want someone that's powerful and free, where it's two equal people running together fully alive. That powerful uh, cohesion of two people who are very different, find those people and ask them, what are the secrets? Speak into my life. Is there anything I could do differently? And finally, number six, have fun together. I remember a client of mine, um, when I was just getting married, he gave me this advice, Andy, just make sure that every year, you put aside time. He said, if I could do anything, this would be the one thing, the best key to our marriage is every single year, I'd go away just with my wife. And what that did is it kept the joy and the fun and the friendship with just the two of them. Because that's how this started. 
the kids, they're, they're the add-on to that, it starts with that fun and that friendship together. And that's been an absolute joy. No budget, no worries. There's things you can do with no budget. You can walk. You can drive somewhere with a very low cost. You can put money aside uh, without all those coffees and Starbucks and other things that you're doing. There's always ways to do that. Put a little bit aside and do something. Maybe it's staying in a tent. Maybe it's going for a walk. Maybe it's a friend that you're going to look after their house when they're away. But there's ways to do that and do that together. Having fun. Even a movie night or who, who knows what that is? We will play games together. We'll go walks together. Uh, we're now getting into a position where we can actually go somewhere and stay for a couple of nights together and do things. We're learning what do we love together. Hiking, it's so cool. Shared experiences. So I want to encourage you with that. Some keys to find and keep the spouse of your dreams. And here's what I want in exchange. I want you to post a comment or shoot me an email, the one piece of advice that you have to find and keep the spouse of your dreams. Post that down and then we'll share those. It's going to be fun. And thanks for being a part of the conversation.